Hi, welcome back. It's Betsy Beers. I'm an executive producer of the television show Scandal, and you are listening to Scandal Revealed. Um, Today, actually, very excitingly, because I know from my new Twitter, because now I tweet like an actual adult, um, a couple of people have actually tweeted and asked when Tony Goldwyn was going to be our special guest here on Scandal Revealed. And today is our lucky day because God bless him, Tony has showed up, which is wonderful of him to take time out of his busy schedule acting and directing. Um, so Tony's here with us. I'm here. Hi. Thank he's, you. See, he's there. And Tony today, um, as is our tradition, is wearing a very lovely cashmere black sweater with a nice little t-shirt underneath and some lovely jeans and black shoes. And he's looking both presidential. He's looking casual presidential. Casual presidential. You know, it's the really weird thing is before this, I went up to Betsy and I said, do I need to dress better for this? <laughs> this podcast because I just wore this he said no you look great he does and of course I forgot that a podcast is just audio (laughs) (laughs) so obviously I'm highly underqualified to be president of the United States I don't know you know I think that's probably a good (laughs) just just being able to gloss over all those issues I have a lot on my mind I need to focus you do you you're not worrying about like whether or not you're being filmed or not and since you're used to being filmed it makes absolute total sense (laughs) um Nick he looks actually he looks sort of like presidential relaxing. Do I? Okay, you do. Good. You well, actually that makes do. Me feel good. I'm going to be happy when I walk out of here and walk down the street thinking, I look presidential relaxed. You do. You look sort of Camp Davidy. Good. Okay, good. You know, I hope people is, take lots of pictures which, of me. Which, <laughs> that's great to know. <laughs> but since, yes, indeed, all we are doing is talking, all I have to do is describe. And um, I am wearing a full-length parka um, because it's really cold in California right it now. It is. It's actually very weirdly cold. Um, but you look kind of presidential casual, too. I do. I'm kind of, I could jump in at any point if I had to, probably, and help POTUS. You are the Sally Langston of Shondaland. I might be. <laughs> I might be there. I might be, Mr. President. That would be very scary if I was. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this, because, um, as I said, the fans demand it, which is... Yeah, and I was jealous that everybody has gotten to do it and not me. So. Actually, you were scheduled at one I point, was. but I came down with the croup or something before Christmas. Nobody that listens to this would know even what the croup was. Do people was. still get the croup? I don't think they do, actually. <laughs> but they were, didn't used to get whooping cough anymore. And now now they do. That, That's so. become trendy again. Croup is going to be hip in a second. <laughs> you know, we are, we're trend. like, we're an illness predictor. So like, <laughs> what's hip for 2013? Check with scandal. <laughs> exactly. We'll tell you on this amazing podcast that we do, which is great. But we're here to um, recap for you what we call episode 211, but you guys know is a criminal, a whore, an idiot, and a liar. And I have to say, this episode ended with maybe one of the largest dramatic sentences coming out of your mouth that um, we've heard over the entire course of this mm-hmm. series. I want a divorce. See? See what I'm saying? I, I got it just all... like that on TV. And she's putting hand lotion on, and she doesn't mm-hmm. even have a clue this thing is coming. Right. She's in her little bathrobe. Yeah. And you said that, and it's, um, it could be an entire game changer. Uh, it, it sure will be. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Fitz ain't messing around anymore. It, no, it seems. It That's seems. what a little death will do for you. But seriously, the thing that, is, that it's done for Fitz is he's through playing games, I think. When he sees an opening when Melly says, what do you want? He speaks the truth and is going to stick to it, I think. I, and I think we got so much insight in this last episode because we got to meet your father, mm. I mean, played by Barry Bostwick, who's an amazing actor. You guys had this incredible dynamic in that episode, but you understand so much better both the whole process of how Liv comes to that quite dramatic decision that she comes to at the end 
when you see the life that this guy has led with this man who everybody believes is one thing and Fitz is the only one who knows what he really is. Yeah. And that, that was a really big deal for me as an actor. I mean, one of the things that I'm finding so surprising and incredible about doing a series, which is the first time for me doing a regular character like this, for, for me, I'd thought a lot about my father. And a lot of what I, a lot of the assumptions I had made just on my own ended up being in line with who Jerry, you, you know, who my dad turned out to be mm-hmm. in the person of Barry Bostwick. So uh, to actually have that dramatized and to be able to really dig into it in more detail was, it was kind of mind-blowing and solidified a lot of my understanding of Fitz and what makes Fitz tick, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day for me, which people I think will understand having seen this episode, is a commitment, a deep personal commitment never to become that guy and never to uh, be able to prove his father right mm-hmm. about him. You know, because he says to me, you're a loser. You're, you know, you, you're, you're not a winner. You, you, one thing you want is a winner and you never will be. Mm-hmm. And that sort of nemesis in his life is something he's not conquered. And so uh, that was really interesting um, and has been incredibly helpful in the work that we've been doing since then which people have yet to see. Yeah, which is, there are a lot of twists and turns coming up that Mm -hmm. actually, but I do feel like what this episode does is it it answers this very large question, which actually Olivia asks you about three quarters of the way through when a a town meeting's going bad and Fitz loses his crap and she says, why do you want this? Mm. Do you want this Mm. and why? And he can't answer the question. And what it did for me was it just sort of frames Fitz's journey over the entire series because yeah. over and over and over again, this guy is continually asking, do I really want this? How badly do I want this? And he makes the decision, yes, I want this, but then you can't have Olivia and be present, you know, which is this that constant struggle and also just the struggle of who he's trusting, his relationship with Cyrus, the the sort of juggling act that he's doing constantly, it was it was very it was crystallized both by meeting Dad and also by seeing him at this crucial point of his campaign where he actually had to decide who he was. And also Olivia had to make this hideous decision knowing that he is a winner. And if yeah. she could make him and help him become a winner, it was worth doing this relatively dramatically terrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Really to help Fitz claim his authority. He claims it and deposes his father mm-hmm. in, in his in his in his life mm-hmm. uh, to tragic results. I mean, the, and his dad's dead, but Olivia becomes deeply invested in in that. That creates a whole set of problems for her. Well, and also we discovered something else, which is kind of interesting, which is you know how to chop wood. You really Who knew? know how to chop. Can wood. Can I tell like, a story about that? Please. Okay, so Shonda, I get this email from Shonda saying, "What sports are you good at?" And that was it. And I was like, um, I know Shonda well enough not to ask why. Uh, so I said, well, not a lot. You know, I mean, um, I can't remember the responses I gave. I, I said, just please don't make me play basketball. Um, <laughs> uh, can play a little handball. Um, uh, I'd really like to ski, but that's probably not practical. Um, I can ride a bicycle. Uh, I can ride a horse, but that's also probably not practical. She goes, can you play baseball? I said, not really, but I guess I could learn. And then I said, but honestly, I can chop wood. 
<laughs> she wrote me back going, that's perfect. And I had no idea what the heck she was talking about. I had no, no idea where this was coming from. Lo and behold, I read 211, and there I am chopping wood. And I, I just can't imagine what that scene would have been like if I was playing baseball. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like, the mind, the mind, or basketball, frankly. The basketball, they were just not sexy, right? No, you will be no. standing in, usually they're slightly ill-fitting shorts. That's and right. And a big baggy tank shirt. Shooting Dribbling hoops. a ball. Yeah, or in my is, case, missing, which would have been really <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> which means we'd have to cut to a double. Actually, you right. know, from your point shooting and actually... Been there, done the that. Have you, have you okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Um, well, we have had a lot of people tweeting <clears throat> different questions that they would actually like to ask about this stuff. Great. And a lovely person named Marie Garcia, who I believe is at Ms. Marie Garcia. Hi, Marie. Asked if we've had a single widowed president. Is it plausible for a divorced president? I mean, do we really feel like it's plausible? That's such a great question. In the world of scandal, do we mm. feel like it's it's plausible? It seems like maybe it might be, right? I think it might be, yeah. I mean, I think that we tend to push boundaries in this show a lot. I think that in the world of scandal, Melly's just so fantastic that we don't you know, we want to keep <laughs> Melly around. But the idea of a divorced president, you know, creates so many issues and problems. It could be, it's, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Yeah, it, would be, it definitely would create a lot of conflict. Yeah. I mean, I think Sally Langston might get her knickers in a twist. But her then again, Sally, so so they're, they're just, I, I mean, think she wakes on. up with her knickers in yeah, a twist. Yeah, twisted. They're just so twisted. I think it's things to do, number one, get my knickers in a twist. <laughs> I think she should just cut the knickers off and leave. I know, I just just like anything she puts on, they just get into an instant twist. <laughs> I think it's, it's absolutely true. And you've actually worked with Kate Burton over the so years. So many times. So many times, right? Kate and I have known each other for a long, long time. Years. We started out, we were both in school, working at my very first job at the Williamstown Theater Festival in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And um, we've worked in the theater together. We've done movies together. We've done a bunch of television together. <clears throat> She's played my wife two or three times. She's m murdered me on stage. When did she murder you naked. on stage? Naked? I was naked. She was she naked? Wasn't. No, oh. I was. She, she, <laughs> she took my clothes off and then we discovered that I was chopped up in a bathtub dead. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Look, so look, Sally Langston's nothing. This is nothing. Got nothing on it. She's giving no, you some lip we, about yeah, being it's a, dead? It's the best. Nothing. We, over and over again over the years, have worked together, and it's one of the great things about our business. Yeah. and Like us, though. Like we've that we've we actually, yeah, we met eight, when you directed. Nine years ago, I directed One of the first Grey's, episodes of Grey's Anatomy. The third episode, right. Yep. Which was a kind of magical thing to be a part of from my perspective because I could tell how special that show was before anybody had seen it. And wasn't my episode of, first episode of Grey's called Damage Control, which yep. was the original name of Scandal? Yep. I remember Shonda telling me that. Okay, so conspiracy theorists, mm -hmm. put your hats on and think about that because we all had a big, weird goosebump moment when we realized that, in fact, that was the episode mm. that you, you directed. But, yeah. and Tony directed an amazing movie called Conviction mm -hmm. and just a pilot. So. You're very good at juggling, and actually one of our tweeters, um, Nero Perla, at Capri 0906, wants to know, how, did you, how are you actually able to multitask with everything on your plate? Like, do you like to direct better, or do you like to be directed better? The best way to put that is, years ago, I remember uh, uh, when I was just starting out out of school, people that you go and meet professionally, like agents and stuff, would say, well, what, what kind of a career do you want to have? And at that time, I thought I just wanted to be an actor. I didn't even consider directing. 
And I said, well, I want to play all different kinds of parts. That would be the dream to me, not to just do one kind of thing. And I just when I discovered directing years later, that's what it allows me to do. In terms of making the time and multitasking, I find it just, um, it finds its own rhythm, like flow, that uh, when one thing kind of slows down, then there's something else that I'm mm -hmm. engaged in that they can heat up. And then when that trickles out, there's something else going on that takes its place. So uh, the great terror for me in this career is suddenly being in a, in a place of um, idle creatively. Mm -hmm. That's when I get unhappy is when I can't be creative. And I must honestly say that when I was only acting, that was one of the great frustrations uh, about being an actor is that you're really dependent on someone giving you a job mm -hmm. um, unless you can produce it yourself. And that's actually why I became a director because I thought I'm not going to sit around and wait for someone to hand me an opportunity. I'm going to go find a script and mm -hmm. produce it myself. And you're going to get the incredibly interesting opportunity to act and direct. Oh, that's going to be so... On Scandal. Wonderful. So that's yeah. what's going to be great is... Thank you for that, by the watch way. Him. Thank you. Are you kidding? It'll be episode 220. <laughs> I think, I think 220. 20. I think that's yeah. 220. Um, yeah. These things are always subject to change. Right. But currently you're supposed to direct episode 220. And we're really excited about it. I also feel like, you know, there's something about when you're acting you have to engage and involve yourself so fully in one point of view. Mm -hmm. And what's so great about directing is you get to see everybody's point of view, yep. which I think is so, it's you're using different parts of your brain yeah. because you have to be able to identify and help and direct and guide and steer. You get to have that overview when you're directing in a different way that does sort of utilize yeah, different Yeah, and I, I find skills. it really great. The first time I uh, directed myself, um, I, I really, for years, thought I could never do it. I was scared to do it because uh -huh. um, I know that I've only done my best work as an actor when I've had a director to help me. And so I was directing um, this television show, The L Word, and I'd done several of them. And Eileen Chaikin said, you know, I'm thinking of writing a part for you. Would you do it and direct yourself? And I thought, well, that's a pretty safe way to try, you know, uh, and... And I did, and what I found was that as a director, you have an overview. You know, you think about all the streams of a story, where everything needs to go, and and how it all flows together, and and what the the sort of synchronicity of everything is. Mm -hmm. And when you're acting, you really are only thinking about your line of story. I found as a director, when I was acting in it, I suddenly knew what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. So I was able to direct myself rather easily, and it felt like a very intimate experience. Oh, and really with the other actors, yeah. which I also thought would be weird, being in a scene with somebody <laughs> and then directing them, because it would be it feels like a violation. Because uh, as an actor, I would never dream to direct another actor that I was in a scene. It's just right, right, ethically, right. you just don't do that. But when I was the director, it became this very intimate thing where we could kind of just whisper, like, well, let's try, you know what, let's try it this way. Let's do it again and try it. Try that. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. great. So I'm just really excited about doing it on Scandal. And the best part is that I will be able to work in Olivia Pope and Associates where I'm, I'm, I'm banned. That's right. Fitz, as, Fitz as actually Fitzgerald has never actually been there, which is we have uh, actually, I think it's Nikitha at Love TLC. Leading to that, how do you explain the chemistry between you and Carrie? I can't. Someone asked me that question the other day. I really explain it uh, as a credit to you and Shonda and, and Linda Lowe, your casting director, that casting is everything. And putting Carrie and I together, we just click. We actually didn't know each other that well. I was a huge admirer of her work. I don't know what it is. We kind of work in a similar way together. We don't have to talk about stuff much. We just kind of click in. And the one thing I can say about Carrie is that she's so 
commits uh, to everything that she does that I as an actor with her feel very, very safe because I know I can totally go for it and never feel that she's holding back anything. And I think she probably feels the same way about me. So we're very open with each other. And that creates chemistry, sexual and also intellectual and all of it. Yeah, because I think what's interesting is you really feel when, we wa- when you watch you guys working together, this incredible trust makes me, when I watch, feel safe and comfortable. Even though you're doing outrageous things or in the middle of a passionate fight or there's a love scene, I feel safe and comfortable because you two feel so grounded and vested together. And, and it's in funny, we, we don't talk much. I mean, Carrie no. and I talk a lot socially, you know, personally, but about scenes, you know, Jeff and I talk about everything. We, we, we also have great chemistry, but Jeff and I talk about stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And analyze things. Carrie and I almost never do. We kind of say a word or two and go, yep, yep, yep. Like, we don't want to jinx it or me- mess with it. It's well, some... you know, and you're imitating, I mean, each is actually an indicator of the actual relationship you have with the character. Because That's true. Because Cyrus, everything... I mean, to a large degree, it, there's a fair amount of intellectualized debate and back and forth, and it's all instinct with you and Olivia. That's true. You know? So it's, it's kind of nice that your style it worked out that well, because it might be sort of awkward if it was the other way around. That's right. <laughs> Love scenes are all about talking. Can we talk about this for a second? Cyrus is like, let's just, just, just give me a minute. Let's just, just give me a second. <laughs> I know. I know it's cold in here, but uh, <laughs> just We need to have another conversation. Um, you know, I think... One question that pretty much all of America probably wants to ask is, curly hair, a gift or curse? You know, it's both. All I can say is it's both. It depends on your hair product and your hairdresser. But I'm telling you, it's looking, it's very, very zesty and wavy today. Yeah, although if you saw my hair when I was uh, 20 years old, it was big. Was it big? Oh, yeah. Did you, did you have big. some height? I, had, I had height. I could never get serious length. I always wanted, like, that cool... <laughs> You know, long hair below the shoulders, and mine just didn't do it. It would go out and up. Oh. But I did it anyway. I went for it anyway. You went for it anyway? Yeah. That's uh, So fortunately, those days have passed. So um, un- sad for us, because we love doing this every week. Um, we are going to be off the air. Scandal's going to not be airing for the next week, but then we will be back with a new episode of Scandal, which will be... Episode 212. I can't tell you too much about it because we're now getting to a point in the arc of the sort of scandal that you guys have all been dealing with that I don't want to tell you too much. You've really got to watch it to believe it. And I'm going to say, and I said this before, in the next couple of episodes, your mind is truly going to be blown. Yeah, that's true. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, our minds... Were blown. Were blown. Because what happened, you know, throughout the, the fall when we were filming them, the writers got... You know, it's tough for them to, they're under tremendous pressure. So we didn't get the scripts until actually the table read, which was the day before we started shooting on the last couple. So we read them cold out loud together, which was the most fun. Oh, it's unbelievable. And our jaws fun. dropped. Mine certainly did. Yours definitely did. just gasping. And in fact, some of the things that came out of my mouth as fits, I thought, how can this be coming out of my mouth at this time? My head is exploding. So uh, I think yours will too. When you guys do the table reads cold, which means, as he said, we don't, they don't get a script ahead of time. It is like watching the best movie ever. It's electrifying. It really is. We're so lucky. They're desperately trying to run ahead to try to see what's happening, <laughs> but they still have to keep reading. So it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Well, we're going to be back, not this week, but next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We really appreciate it. And please remember to watch Scandal, 10 o'clock, ABC, 
Thursday nights. And you might just want to check out the show called Grey's Anatomy. It's at 9 o'clock, <laughs> ABC, Thursday nights. And it would be great for you guys to tune in to the final episode of Private Practice. It's amazing. It's our last episode of the series. If you love the show, it would be great to have you tune in. It's 10 o'clock Tuesday nights, ABC, and we're sad to see it go. But don't forget, watch Scandal, because this is Scandal Revealed, the official podcast for Scandal. I'm Betsy Beers. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.